What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fearless, Diva Talk Radio. Hello, loser fans.
superstar. Did you know that Rolling Stone magazine chose Luther's fourth album, The Night I Fell in Love, as one of the 100 best albums in the 80s? This album was recorded in the West Indies in 1984 and features the hits Wait for Love, Till My Baby Comes Home, and Creeping, among others. Joining me to talk about her experience working on this album, as well as working with Luther back on stage, as well as off stage, is the phenomenal vocalist, Alpha Anderson. Hello, Alpha. Hi, Max. How are you? Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to have you on the show because, you know, for so many years, I saw your name on the back of all the costumes in the wardrobe department uh, for Luther, and I never, we only had a chance to meet briefly, and I'm just so thrilled to kind of look back at the 80s with you because I know you were there during so many magical times. Tell everyone, uh, because I think most people are familiar with you, with your incredible work you did with Sheik, how did you meet Luther Vandross? I met Luther in a recording studio here in New York. I was working with an artist named uh, Lou Courtney and the background singer Edna Holt, who told me that there were some people in the next studio that I had to go meet. And those people were Fonzie Thornton, Michelle Cobbs, and Luther Vandross. So I went in, I met Fonzie and, and Michelle, and I looked and I saw Luther. I didn't know him then. He was sitting in a chair. I'll never forget it. He was, he was wearing overalls. And his head was down. He was so shy. He was, his head was down. And they took me over and introduced me to him. He looked up. He said hello and shook my hand and put his head right back down. He was, so, he, he was incredibly shy. And I stood, and he opened his mouth, and they sang, and he, I just melted. I fell in love from the very first note. Little did I know that that meeting was going to be so fortuitous for me, you know, because later I got to talk to him one-on-one. We started speaking on the phone, and we found out that we clicked. A real friendship developed and spent a lot of time over in his his house in Manhattan, baking biscuits, making food, and, of course, singing. (laughs) Those are wonderful, wonderful times. You saw that whole transformation from, a shy guy like you're explaining in the studio, becoming like this amazing solo performer whose name is literally known around the world for just his first name. So what was that time like? Because it must have just come so fast and furious, the success, I can't imagine. You know, the success comes after many, many years of trial and error. So Mm -hmm. it's like overnight sensations, yeah, maybe 10 years, and the 10 minutes, that the press really gets a hold of what you're doing, that's the sensational part. But it was it was a slow developmental process, and uh, but we worked for it. You know, uh, Luke, I remember us sitting and uh, pretending our our haughty looks, <laughs> which we never used, of course. But we used to sit and fantasize about what it would be like to be a star, to get in and out of limos, and 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 we would sit in the middle of Broadway on the median at that time in Broadway on in in Manhattan. They had these benches, park benches, in the middle of the, of the street. And we would sit on the park benches and pretend that we were in limousines. And we would look at all the cars passing by, but we were in the limousine. And we would look at all the people walking down the streets, and we would practice our haughty looks, how we would look down our noses at people. All fantasy. I love it. That never happened. Luther <laughs> was no, not that you, type of person. You were dressed like that on stage many times because I remember seeing the furs and the outfits with all the rhinestones and the glitter. I mean, those stage, early stage shows I heard were very theatrical with dancers and sets, and you would do that whole, uh, someone told me once, like a big party scene. Can you, what was it like? Can you describe a little bit about what it was like doing those early stage shows with Luther? Sure, we had all of those wonderful, wonderful accoutrements, but we did not have the attitude. We left the attitude behind because the attitude then was like having fun and making sure that people got their money's worth when they came to see the show. So Luther was very particular about making sure that everything, every detail was taken care of. He did not leave anything to chance, you know, from the script to the staging to the lighting to the choreography, of course, the vocals. So. It was just it was a wonderful time of working. I remember you you opened the show with a super no with never too much. And Luther would always say on that he would always look back at 
one at at the band, and he would look back at Tinker Barfield because he would say, "You guys play this song better than you've ever played it." And he loved that song, and I have memories of him singing that song and just dragging that microphone across the stage with people screaming. Superstar is another one that I remember vividly because it was his it was his moment in the spotlight. But he was generous enough to share that spotlight with a dancer, Cheryl Norvell, who danced on top of this piano, which was the most fabulous thing I had ever seen in my life. We, though, what the audience did not know is that we were backstage changing clothes. So we were changing clothes, changing clothes while he's singing, and they had microphones set in the back. And when it came for us to sing the part, to be yours, we all run to the microphone in whatever type of dress or undress we were in, sing the part, then run back and get ready to come out for the party scene that you referenced early with balloons, different clothes, coming out to continue and take the music higher. So now who was on stage with you during those those early memories? Because it was you, obviously Luther. Uh, was Lisa Fisher a part of that? Lisa Fisher show? was a part of that. Brenda White Brenda? King was a part of that in the very early days. Um um, then, then, well, Tawatha, the first tour, it was Brenda, Phil Ballou, me, and I, I can't think of the other person. Oh, my God, please forgive me. <laughs> and then the next tour we had is when we added Lisa to the mix. And we then we had Paulette, we had Kevin Owens, Ava Cherry, um, and some of these people are going to be calling in later. But, you know, oh. a lot of people fall in love at Luther Vandross concerts, and not only in the audience, but sometimes on stage. Something major happened in your life by working for Luther Vandross. Tell us all about the night I fell in love and you fell in love with, and then we'll talk about the album. Okay. Yeah, I I met my husband on the Luther Vandross tour, Tinker Barfield. Uh, was the bassist, and we both joined Luther the same year. We both came in 1981. It was a few years before Tinker and I got together because we really didn't pay any attention to each other. You know, I'm like, oh, this is this bass player guy, and he was probably saying, oh, just another singer. So it was a while before we got together, but that was the wonderful thing that happened on the Luther well, tour. That's amazing, and you know, the night I fell in love was one of my favorite albums, and I just found out recently it was recorded in the West Indies, which was yeah. so shocking to me because I know Luther had, as famous as he was, he was famous for his fear of flying. So I don't know who convinced him to take this trip. What was it like to record <laughs> this album in the West Indies? Because I read in his liner notes that he really wanted to get everyone, all of you big session singers, away from New York to kind of have a whole new experience about recording. He did, and Luther was always one of the things that I can say about him. He was, gener- he is generous, and I'll I'll speak in the present. He is because of the music that he's recorded is still giving, generous to a fault, and he wanted to give us an opportunity, as you said, to get away to record in a different environment because you get different things, you get different energy when you go different places, and so we found out about Air Studios in Montserrat and some other people had recorded there, and he says, let's do this album in Montserrat. So he flew us all there, and flying was never easy for him or for me. We were both white-knuckle flyers, and I am still to to this day a white-knuckle flyer. And um, the the flight from New York to – the first flight wasn't that bad because we landed on a big island and it was on a jet. The second flight was in one of these little island hopper planes, props, That was the hard one with all of our luggage. So, you know, Luther would just take his little Valium. We would sit down and we would just say our prayers and we would go on. It it was hard. Flying was really, really really, really hard for him. Well, not only flying, but the vocal aerobics, uh, I felt like that had to be a workout too because it was you and Sissy Houston and Garlene Love and you were you sang that incredible song. We performed it many times live, um, Till My Baby Comes Home. How did yeah. that all happen? Because there's an incredible run in that song. I know the fans are familiar with it, but for those who aren't, what was that like? Well, first of all, it was just wonderful for, for me to be in the company of those singers, those, those diva singers. Uh, Luther and I used to sit and study 
vocalists and study background vocalists, and those were the singers that he really, really admired and wanted to have. So being in their presence singing was like being in the presence of royalty, you know, uh, and it was just a studied? wonderful, I wonderful experience. Like, and Excuse me, Max? What, what did you mean by, how did you study a vocalist? I'm just curious, how would you study a background vocalist? Oh, we would sit down and listen. And then he would point out phrasing, he would point out intonation, he would point out breathing, you know. He would just point all of those things out and tell me these are the things that, that he likes and these are the things that he's looking for. And then he would teach that, you know. We would we would sit we would sit in a circle. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm listening. I mean, I could assume that you were one of the sweet inspirations at one point if you had Sissy Houston right there with you. I know he was a huge fan. Were you sing- Did you ever sing any sweet inspirations with her or no? No, no, I didn't, but I certainly felt like I was in that circle. An amazing, <laughs> amazing voice. You know, I, I would I, like to sing. And, you know, in my head I was a sweet inspiration. <laughs> Well, and I, it had to be phenomenal to work with Sissy Houston because I know he was such a fan. And if you guys were studying background vocals, you had to study her. So it must have been amazing. To, what was it like to be side by side with her in the West Indies recording this album? Well, she wasn't. She wasn't in the West Indies when we did the vocals. We did the vocals in um, in New York. But standing there with her, I I made the mistake because you know I'm a soprano. I either sing first or second. And Luther had given us our notes, and we were all around the microphone, and we were singing. And I started singing, and Sissy did not sing, and she started looking at me. And I'm saying, what, 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 what? And Tawatha says, you're on her note. <laughs> I had no idea that I wasn't supposed to go to her note, you know, at that particular time. But it, it was a it was, it was was a funny thing. We all laughed about it, and, and I took another note, and we continued. And I said, yes, 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 absolutely. This is your note. This is your domain. You do what you do. So that was a I little embarrassing it. but funny. Well, now I have to ask, because this is such a tough question, but uh, what was your favorite song from the 80s since you appeared on so You did so much work with them. Ooh, that is a very tough question. I loved, um, since we were talking about the the night I fell in love, the two songs in there that I loved so much were Wait for Love Until My Baby Comes Home. Um, I loved singing them, recording them, and I loved performing them. Luther had great covers, too. I loved If Only One for Not, If Only for One Night, which was on that, and Creepin'. His covers are the best. They really are, right? I mean, those you know those six month, minutes that you did Superstar were six minutes when people backstage we'd all take a break. <laughs> right. I wasn't right. working when you did those quick changes. Usually, the when I was joined Luther, they would stay on stage and we would just have six minutes to wait. And then sometimes Luther would come backstage during the quick change and it would be a nightmare. And then he'd walk out as just as peaceful and as reserved as the song. But backstage, it was like a tornado. So, yeah, so many great days. Now, just so everyone is familiar with your Chic work, you worked for Luther, and then did you go, did you see, uh, start working with Chic, or was that all happening at the same time? Well, I worked with Luther before this reincarnation of Luther. I worked with Luther when he was on a concilian artist. Mm hmm. And um, we, after we met that, during that time I was telling you about before, we started singing together and we started doing uh, recording sessions. And one day he says, Alpha, I've got this session I want you to do. It's a friend of mine named Mal Rogers has this new group called Chic, and they want us to come and, and, and sing background on a record that they've done. He says, it's disco. And I said, disco? Are you kidding me, loser? No one wants to sing disco. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It was almost like, bah, humbug. And he says, no, look, it's really cool. It's going to be great. Come on, let's do it. You're going to have fun. So he encouraged me to go. I went with him, and I think David Lasley was the first. We were the first three people there. And I listened to the tracks, and another time of love, love at first hearing. You know, I heard the tracks, and I said, well, this is so different from what I thought disco was. It was not the typical disco music, 122 beats per minute. It was fun. It was fresh. It was young. It was provocative. 
And it had a type of energy that I absolutely loved. And when Sheik went out on for the first tour, as a matter of fact, Luther and I went out as backing vocals, vocalists. And when Norma Jean Wright decided to move on to a solo career, they asked me if I would stay and uh, step into that slot, which I did. And I continued to work with them from there. But that's how I got sheep. So Luther was like, meeting Luther, I said earlier, was fortuitous. You have no idea how fortuitous it was for me, how, you know, that meeting just changed my life in so many ways, and I'm so grateful. And we're so grateful to have you join the show. Thank you again, Alpha, for sharing your memories of Luther Vandross. You're quite okay, welcome. Kate- Stay tuned, listeners, because did you know Forever for Always for Love was the second studio album released in September 1982 and was certified platinum. Luther received a Grammy Award nomination for Best R&B Vocal Performance Male, and one of the hits, Since I Lost My Baby, was originally recorded by The Temptations in 1965. But let's listen to what Alpha referred to as one of Luther's beautiful renditions. A good thing called man, and what's happy is Great fan base and 
So if you you know if you tally up all his his albums, we're talking about at least six million, six to to ten million albums. Wow! And so now you're going to help me count down some of the biggest hits from the '80s, correct? Sure. All right. So what are we going to start with the ballads? Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, well, we got you know Never Too Much, which was basically his. Uh, his his big you know his big hit uh, to, to to kick off his career in 1981 you know except for the Cotillion stuff um, then we we have uh, if this world were mine I mean there's just so many uh, you know superstar um, till my baby comes home uh, we also got it's over now then you know give me the reason I mean stop to love there's nothing better than love with with uh, Gregory Hines any love uh, she won't talk to me, and then uh, basically the '80s is capped off with "Here and Now," which was uh, in 1989. Right, and that song really was uh, became like a wedding mainstay for people. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, it also it built the soundstage for him and uh, to catapult into the '90s, which I just his career it just it get which was great about his whole career in epic. It just gathered momentum. I mean, he, his again his fan base we we. It was he was so loved and so supportive, and it just each album just kept on growing and growing and growing until the greatest hits, which you know here and now appeared on, and then it just it just blew up with you know the nineties with you know Power of Love, but but yeah. And that greatest hits package was a double CD, which was kind of um, rare for someone to do that. It also contained the duet with Cheryl Lynn, "If This World Were Mine," which was initially. Re- recorded on her album. She was also on Epic at the time as well, Sherilyn. That's that's correct. So was that how that how those two got together? Do you know anything about the backstory of Sherilyn and Luther working together? Because I know right before Luther had a stroke in 2004, um, actually right I'm sorry, right after he had, before the stroke, we were performing at Radio City Music Hall, and Luther had reached out to Sherilyn to come back and perform that. It didn't, unfortunately, it never got to happen, but it's kind of an right. interesting footnote that he did stay in touch, like Alpha Anderson was just saying earlier, he stayed in touch with everyone from his musical family, in, including Sherilyn. It's one of my favorite duets ever that Luther has done. I just wanted to know if you had any more information on that song. You know, I, that was definitely a fan favorite. If I have to say, I mean, as far as all the compilations that I've done for for Sony, uh, that that particular that particular duet is always a, a very popular one. I, I think when they think of you know major duets in, in the '80s, that one is is definitely on top of the list. You know, before I go forward, I mean, I think Cheryl Lynn actually recorded for Columbia, but uh, but I believe that the, the connection is Luther producing her record, or you know you know how Luther was back in the whole '80s that he had, he basically had his hands in the produ- production side as well as being being an artist and you know and a songwriter. Right. And and um you took a minute to spotlight that in one of the most recent uh re releases of Luther when you kind of went um not only with some of the fan favorites, you went with mostly fan favorites, but a lot not most of the hits. There was a lot of the B sides as well in that last collection that came out. Can you tell everyone a little bit about that most recent compilation uh compilation, sure. Jeff, that you, you mean, put out? Absolutely. Hidden Hidden Gems. Is that yeah. the one the Hidden Gems. Well, yeah, yeah. I actually worked with with Fonzie on that, and uh, we basically wanted to go back into Luther's catalog because Luther, even though he had a lot of radio hits, his albums were complete pieces, you know. And I don't think a lot of people or a lot of other people outside of Luther's fans kind of knew that his album cuts were just as good, or maybe sometimes even better than what was on the radio. So we definitely wanted to go back and we wanted to highlight that. I mean, Luther was such a perfectionist, and it's just that his his album cuts are just so so brilliant. And you know, we wanted to go back and highlight and hopefully have people rediscover his albums instead of just what was on like the greatest hits or or, or the radio. All right. Well, uh, and tell everyone how they can pick up his music again, Jeff, if they want to get that hidden gems album they can go to. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Amazon. You, you, you can go to some of the there's still brick and mortar uh, retailers like Best Buy and you know Sam's Club. So it's all it's all it's all there. Circuit City. It's all there. And there's a lot more great music potentially coming out in the near future for Luther fans, right? 
There is, yes, yes. We, we actually are working on some a few a few different projects. Um, one of them is going to be a duets album because I don't think he his duets have actually gotten uh, been been placed in one one package, and we want to highlight that because he has some amazing duets. I mean, even like album cuts, like the Martha Wash duet, I Who Have Nothing, is one of my favorites. It's just like little stuff like that. If we wanted to put in one place, and and then uh, see see we have some other surprises for the for the Luther fans as well. So duets and. Uh, and I'm also working on a Spotify playlist for his for his birthday, so you can look out for that too on Spotify. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. We greatly appreciate Jeff James from Sony Music. Thanks, Mike. Now thank today's podcast is all about the 1980s, which marks the beginning of frequent songwriting collaborations between Luther and bassist Marcus Miller, as well as his high school classmate Nat Adderley Jr. Together, this collaboration would go on for years in his career, but here's probably the signature song from the 1980s, the first album, 1981, Never Too Much, that we're all most familiar with. Everything, the drums, the percussion, 
and he knew what he wanted. So, uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, he could be a, a blessing and a nightmare at the same time because if you make a mistake, the boss is going to hear it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, you know, he, he, he would hear it, and he would, you know, we would get notes. Goodness, I, I spent 17, 18 years in that band, and every night you got notes about the show. Um, and, you know, nothing was taken for granted, and it all came down from him, you know. Um, you couldn't make mistakes in that band. It was not, it couldn't happen, you know. Uh, you had one You had one time to make one, and, and then you had to fix that. And uh, he knew, you know. Uh, the worst thing you wanted was Luca to turn around during the show and look at you with that funny look, you know. It's like, oh, God. So he, he was, uh, you know, he couldn't squeeze anything by him, man. He, he was a perfectionist, and he was a perfectionist that knew about each, and you know this, Max, he knew every, about every faucet of his show, the music, the lights, the sound, the, you know, down to the, the, the delays on, on his voice during the show. And uh, it just was, you know, it's intense. It keeps you on the, on the, edge, of your, at the edge of your seat, and it keeps your uh, attention heightened you, you, through that whole show. You had no time to sit back. You you were focused from the beginning to no, the end. You know, we were all focused. You know, he always made me feel like, even as a personal assistant, the one who ran wardrobe and ambiance, it was my show. I mean, I remember one time, Ivan, you know, if the curtain went up at 8 and they were a minute late, it was my fault. Like, I had to get everyone <laughs> to the stage at, you know, that. And, it, it, you know, it would drive, in the moment, it drove me crazy. But looking back on it, it was just, he was such a showman. I, I really feel like he had such an incredible love of performing and, and really creating these ama- amazing, magical moments in time for the audience. And he, he did push us all to our you know, limit in order to put on the best show. And I feel like, looking back, I could truly appreciate it, but I will not lie to any of the listeners. It was like... <laughs> It was incredibly stressful <laughs> to be backstage on the Luther Mandel show. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, and I, I can imagine what you guys were thinking, you know, because I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, how are we going to do this? Yeah, I mean, like I said, man, my thoughts anytime we went toward that stage was, uh, you know, it was all about what my job was. Like you said, he pushed you to the limit. He pushed you and pushed you for to perfection. He kept the bar high, and he wouldn't accept anything if you couldn't do it, somebody else could. You know, he wouldn't accept it, and and uh, I learned a lot about uh, just quality control in you know production and music. The studio, the same. You know, it just his show and when we went and did records in the studio, uh, just the, the the level of what he wanted and how he wanted it. There was no slacking. There was no room for a slacker anywhere, you know. And and he just, I just really miss the bar that he kept, you know. It's just, you don't see it that often like that anymore. Well, and you also had the privilege of of working with him in the studio as, as well, Ivan. So what was Luther like on stage versus in the studio? It was interesting, you know, to work with him in the studio and then to go perform those songs on the stage. Um, in the studio, uh, I, I think Luther probably was really a happy person in the studio, man. I think he's so into the creative process and 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 layering and putting it together. And along with that, the camaraderie of the people that worked in the room with him, you know, was just fun, but we got a lot of work done, you know, you could, you, we could tell jokes for hours over, over a meal and get back to work and, and you know, seriously make, some, make music happen, and he was all about every, every sound that was recorded being perfect in its place the right way, you know, it just was, you know, we called it Lutherized, <laughs> the music, you know. It was he had his sound, he had a focus, he had a vision for his music, and uh, you would put all this together, you know, over over months and months in the studio every day with him, and uh, the end result 
was just, you know, these perfect productions. And then to trans transfer that to the stage and watch him take a whole nother uh uh I guess uh approach to putting that together again, you know, for the stage and adding the things that he added, the the choreography and the and the lighting and the and all those things and the costumes and and to make that music come alive for an audience, it, it was just a transformation, and he seamlessly did that year after year. I love it. I love, I love that you were a part of it. I mean, again, like for everyone who I'm talking to Ivan Hampton Jr., you're an amazing drummer. You also worked for Asher and Simpson. You were such a big part of the sound of R&B, soul music, pop music during the 80s, 90s, in the years 2000, you didn't work with songwriting. We're going to have to have you back again. Ivan, what was your favorite song from that period of the 80s? Because we're talking about the 1980s and Luther's career during the 1980s. What was your favorite song with Luther during that time period? Uh, hands down, I want to say uh, Any Love. Any love. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? That song is coming up later in the show, but right now I feel we have to go all the way back and play Luther's signature song from the very first album, Never Too Much. I think we all have heard of this 11-minute odyssey. Please listen, take a listen to A House Is Not A Home. A chair is still a chair Even when there's no one But a hotel is not a home, and a heart is not a home when there's no one there. So because that's when Ava and Lisa and all the singers, including Alpha, would come off stage and we'd have to do a quick change. So I wanted to talk about Luther Fashions in the 80s with a person who, one of the people who knows him best, who helped him with his style. Please welcome to the show, Darren Margo. Hi, Darren. Hey, Max. How are you? Good. And you're calling in from... You're you're calling in from overseas today, are you not? That's correct. Um, I'm in London right now, and I leave for Ibiza first thing in the morning. But I could not miss calling you. <laughs> well, and we couldn't have a show without you. Now, you know, uh, for those fans who haven't heard you on our our past podcast, you worked with Luther. You met him when he was really into Johnny Versace clothing, and of course, the '80s is all about Versace. It's all about Luther stage shows. What are your memories of Luther uh, in the '80s? You know, what was interesting was that when he, you know, it was almost like there were parallels with his persona, which kind of go back to maybe listening to the other people speak, kind of how he inter- how he interpreted music. So, for instance, when he came into the Versace store, the Beverly Hills store, he was actually very quiet. Like, what his persona, he would love to, before he would say anything, he really enjoyed observing, absorbing, and really taking in every detail and element. And he loved to have that quiet time to do that, and then he would say, okay, Darren, I want this, 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 that, 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 and how many other colors are there? <laughs> I love that. You know, those you know, colors was... were really wild. In the Those colors were really wild. He was not afraid of color. We should remind him that. And so was Johnny Versace. I mean, they were really interesting because together Johnny Versace and Luther offstage created quite a partnership as far as men's fashion in the 80s. That's Correct. And, you know, during that time, not only was it the vibrant dual-tone colors, but there were fantastic Baroque prints and detailing such as stone and metal beading, as well as beautiful, intricate filigree embroideries. 
So all that detail and all that color and print, you know, one thing that Luther was a master at in his clothing and his wardrobe was putting it together right. Because with all that going on, it could be, if you didn't know what you were doing, it would be very easy to overkill it. But he managed to really pull every look off tastefully, sophisticated, and from head to toe. You know, for him, it wasn't just about a shirt or a coat or a pair of shoes. You know, the entire look from head to toe had to be perfect. And he was able to execute it impeccably. And he performed the sold-out audiences in Webley Arena in uh, the U.K. night after night. What was, uh, what was your favorite song from the 80s, Darren? My favorite song from the 80s, actually, it was, funny enough, it's a very obscure song called Promise Me. And I actually told him about it, and he said, oh, wow, what was it, you know, what was it about that song that resonated with you? And um, for me, it was the guitar in the beginning, and then towards the end, how there was delay at the very end on his vocal, and it just really, really, even though prior to meeting him, I really hadn't listened to his music, but after I met him, funnily enough, he was the one that gave me the double, the best of uh, Luther, the double album that you're talking about. And that one song, just I played it over and over and over again and never got bored of it. And still to this day, it, it still resonates the same way. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us, Darren Margo, all the way from Europe. We appreciate it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to meet two of Luther's biggest fans. But before we do, here's a song to see how much if they really love Luther back. Bye, Max. Love is here to stay because you love me. Goonies, 
Trading Places, Lethal Weapon 2, or Pretty in Pink? I would say The Goonies. You are a fan. You got that one right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Luther. Luther. Luther received a Grammy nomination for Best New Artist in 1982. He didn't win, though. Who did? Your choices are James Ingram, Adam and the Ants, The Go-Go's, and Sheena Easton. Uh, it would be James Ingram. <laughs> is, is Dave back? Dave, are you back? Hello. It's actually, yeah, Dave, who won, the, who won the Grammy for Best New Artist in 1982? Luther lost out to this person. Is it James Ingram, Adam and the Ants, The Go-Go's, or Sheena Easton? Oh, I said James Ingram. <laughs> it's Tina Easton. Oh no! I'm upset about that. I'm upset about that. Except for Tina. Okay, final question, everybody. Who was the only male singer that Luther did a duet with on the album during the 1980s? Was it Stevie Wonder, Lionel Richie, Gregory Hines, or Sammy Davis Jr.? Dave. Gregory Hines. Great. What was the name of the song, Marilyn? What was the name of the song, Dave? The name of the song is uh, "There's Nothing Better Than Love." That's right. Oh, Mar- California went down to Canada today because Dave Jones was the ultimate. I got, I got, I got cut off. I got cut off. Marilyn, Marilyn, you were on my notes. Marilyn is on my notes. Yeah, Marilyn, Marilyn was trying to get the, the to get a head start on you there. Good try, Marilyn. It didn't really work though. But Marilyn has been uh, Marilyn has part of been, been part of the Divabetic community for months, and I want to take a minute and tell everyone a little bit uh, about Divabetic. It's hard to imagine that for twenty years twenty years after Luther's solo career took off, it would all come to an end when Luther suffered a stroke in two thousand four due to mismanagement of his type two diabetes. For the last eight years, I've dedicated my life to honoring Luther's legacy by raising awareness for diabetes through the nonprofit organization Divabetic. Divabetic is actually the combination of the word diabetic with a D for Vandross, and it really stands for anyone who's willing to lift their voice to help raise awareness for diabetes and diabetes self-management. My goal has always been to continue to help Luther fans like Marilyn and Dave and everyone listening to keep their house at home by learning how to prevent the diabetes health-related complication from occurring. During the 80s, Luther Vandross had over 50 people, you heard some of them today, traveling around with him to support his music. But when it came to managing his diabetes, he did it alone, which I regrettably feel was a mistake. So I wanted to invite from the ADA, the American Diabetes Association in Pittsburgh, my good friend Terry Seidman to join the show and talk a little bit about the partnerships I've formed to help Luther fans stay happy and healthy. Please welcome Terry Seidman. Hey, Max. Hi, Terry. You know, thanks to you, we get to put on a big, big show every every year during National Diabetes Awareness Month in Pittsburgh, and this year is no exception. What do we have going on for all those Luther fans? Oh, this year we are going to be featuring uh, fairy tales and diabetes, and only in the Max Zadek style. So uh, it will be fabulous. And not only will it be fabulous, I get to work with a great team. I really try to put on a show, thanks to you, Terry, and everyone in Pittsburgh, and I work with an amazing team of educators. Let's tell everyone a little bit about who my co-stars I'm putting on Luther-style outreach are for that show. Okay. Uh, we have uh, our committee that has been working with Max for five, six years really are, is composed of endocrinologists, certified diabetes educators, uh, nurses, and certified diabetes educator registered dietitians. So they bring all of the information um, that pertains to healthy living and to diabetes management, but in a very fun way through Max's uh, abilities to keep the conversation going, making it fun, making it interesting, and always expecting the unexpected. And the thing I love about this listener, Terry Simon, I'm not calling you out, but 
you weren't really a Luther fan and you heard about diabetic and you wanted us to come, you're a woman living with type 1 diabetes, and I want all the fans to know not only have we been able to help the Luther fans, but diabetic has been able to grow out and reach even more people affected by diabetes. And it's so important for me to have you on the show today to just tip my hat for giving me the opportunity year after year to come to your community and really help engage people in an entertaining brand of diabetes education. And I'm so for- looking forward to hosting Diabetes Fairy Tales, and we will also be doing an M Health Innovation. People are wondering, what is M Health, uh, Terry Seidman? Well, M Health is, um, we are all into the mobile apps that are currently being offered, uh, being offered. And the mobile apps also are mobile healthy apps. And a lot of it is uh, able to help manage diabetes um, and in terms of our, how we eat, how we remain active, and putting it all together for us. So it's a whole new concept, but it's really the wave of the future, and we are going to be focusing on some of those apps that exist right now to help manage your diabetes. And through this, we continue the legacy of, of Luther um, in terms of how important it is to really uh, be having a diabetes team to help you manage your diabetes. And one part of this now is what's on the on the horizon are the mobile app. Great. And how could everyone find out about the Diabetes Expo coming to Pittsburgh in November? What's the website? Well, there's, there's, you can go to diabetes.org forward slash Expo Pittsburgh, and you will see all the information about it. And as we get closer to the scheduling and what's going on, the diabetic stage, uh, and then you will also be able to register. It's a free event, but it will hold your place uh, at the expo. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Terry Seidman. It's almost at the end of the hour. I can't end the show without introducing one of Luther's family members. Please welcome Savita Williams. It's so good to have you on the show, Savita. Everyone wants to know, how is the family continuing the legacy? Well, Max, there's a lot going on. Um we, we're doing it through, you know, his music and putting albums out there. And uh, we have some stuff, what we're calling, you know, we just released um, something, uh, hidden gems for, like, songs that weren't number one but were awesome. And then we're going to have a duets album and stuff. And so, I mean, musically, there's going to be a lot coming out, you know, um, Mother's Day is coming up and Father's Day is coming up. And so there will be some stuff there. And his birthday is, uh, would have been Saturday. So I was actually listening to you and Ivan earlier talk about him. And what was – this is another side of everything. Um, as you well know, my uncle loved his family, and he loved his singers and his band and stuff. But he also made sure that we knew of each other, but we didn't intertwine because he could not have – not that anything would have ever popped off, but let me tell you, if I had a run-in with Lisa Fisher, trust me, I probably would have got fired as Denise before he would have gotten rid of Lisa Fisher. <laughs> so I make that joke to say that in the earlier years, um, I didn't really get to know everybody on a, on a deep personal level. We did know each other um casually, but also over the last couple of years, I've given little celebrations of him, which really, for me, was more of my way of getting to know Lisa or Kevin or Alpha and Ava and Darren and Ivan, and the same has happened in this year. Uh, Tomorrow night, we're all going to get together to reconnect and also to keep the music going and just have a good time in his um, memory. I mean, it was you know, he impacted all of us, and we all actually have a connection through him. So we really like to keep that alive. So the family gets together with the band and the singer, and we have a really good time. And we just don't. There's no memorial service that goes on for him. We have a laughing good time. And just in case any of the band members or singers are listening, and somehow. You know, I didn't get you to invite. Call me. Call me because, of course, you're invited. But that's what we're doing tomorrow. And you can go to the Divabetic Facebook fan page, and we'll contact everyone because we'll see them all tomorrow night. Well, thank you 
Savita, for being a part of the show. I want to thank all my guests tonight for helping celebrate Luther Vandross, the music, the man, and with all the memories. I want to thank two of his biggest fans, Marilyn and Dave, for joining us. And I want to tell all of you, my listeners, every diva and dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Don't forget, this is Mr. Diva Bedek. Tune in uh, next year when we talk about Luther's career in the 1990s. Guess what? That's when I started working for him. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, please contact me through Diva Bedek's Facebook page. Thank you all for listening.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.